Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. Good morning, everybody. Morning to everybody linking in. Why don't you stand? I know that we're sitting. COVID restrictions have changed again, but just stretch your legs. How does it feel? 2021. Incredible. The third decade of the 2000s, whatever. Love it when I'm articulate. The good news is I'm going to be as articulate this year as I was last year. It's very exciting for you. If you're visiting with us, it's great to have you in the room. Um, uh, if, you, if you're online visiting with us for the first time, it's great to have you. And uh, we, we trust that God's really got you here. I don't know how you come to 2021. I did hear a lot of people say, thank God 2020 was over. And I'm like, no, nah, I want to enjoy every moment. I didn't mind 2020. I know it was difficult for many, many people. But I'm like, you know what? I'm in the land of the living. I've got breath in my lungs. I've got food in my belly. I've got a sound mind. I'm relatively healthy. My kids are okay sometimes. They, I'm thank God for breath. I thank God for life. 2021, it's got no hold on me. I might take hold of it by the grace of God, and you might too. 2021, here comes a new year. And at this moment right now, we're alive. We've got life in our lungs, and it's right before us, and it's an incredible opportunity to live. And so let's pray, and uh, why don't you close your eyes with me? I'm not sure where that tradition comes from, but it does focus our thoughts on God. So let's close our eyes just for a moment. Let's pray. Let's commit this to God. Heavenly Father. Oh, how good you are. How good you are. I pray that in every room where we're gathered today, there'd be a sense of your presence there. In your word, you say wherever a few people gather, you're right in the middle of it. So I pray there'd be an awareness of that in every hub, location, whatever, every home that's linking in. I pray right now for a sense of your presence in that place as people still their hearts and minds. I pray they'd become aware of you. And Lord, I pray for this word today that you'd take it and you would do something really that sets a fire in people's hearts that would not be quenched in Jesus' name. And amen. Amen. All right, give someone a wave. Say hi. Don't touch them. Well, I don't know about you, if there, if there are two things that in recent times I would say, man, they really galvanize opinion. Like they, they create a big divide. One is former president or current president, interim president, I don't know what he is now, Donald Trump, and the other are cats. Cats. There are lovers, haters, and few in-betweeners, aren't there? Now, just for the room, um, who's a lover? All right. Some bold cat lovers. Who's a hater? How can you hate animals and go to heaven, just by the way? Who's an in-betweener? Uh, you made it to purgatory if there's such a place. We're good. Personally, I don't love cats. My dad loves cats. My dad, uh, at least he used to have his cat sleep on the end of his bed. I'm like, I cannot get my head around that idea. And, and, uh, but have you ever seen the kind of smug cat, maybe you own one, that you know, wanders into the house like they paid the mortgage, into, into the lounge room, you know, rubs up against the owner's leg as they pass by and sort of waddle their content selves next to the fireplace or whatever comfy spot they have, nestle in and just purr away. 
And if you could understand cat language, you know in their heart they're saying, don't come near me. (laughs) They love COVID on their terms. And then there's the other cat, the roaring lion, the king of the jungle, majestic. Majestic in her ways or his ways, whichever you like. Majestic and powerful. You can, you can all, if you've ever seen a lion, even on TV, we can all picture the image, can't we, of a majestic lion moving its way through the African plains, sizing up its prey, powerful, looking after its own as it you know, moves through. And, and then if you've ever seen, I saw a clip the other day, well, I'll come back to that thought. Which would you say you are? What's, what's your life more like? More, is it more like a purring cat in its controlled or comfort-controlled, climate-controlled, that's the word I'm looking for, climate-controlled environment, or a roaring lion going about, overcoming in its natural habitat? I reckon that you and I are meant to be more like the roaring lion than we are like the purring cat, but culture would have us choose one over the other, And in choosing one, we become the tamed, we become the caged, we become the limited. How to rewild a tamed life. That's what I want to talk about today. How to rewild a tamed life. If you're a believer, how to rewild a tamed faith today. And uh, week two, I'm going to talk about this. I'm going to talk about going off the grid. Week three, I'm going to talk about thriving in the jungle. And today I want to talk about roughing it how the ready-to-rough-it begin to rewild a tamed life. If I can be honest with you, as one Australian to another, I think Australians have gotten a little bit soft. I do. I don't think a little bit of hardship is such a bad thing for our nation. I tell you, I'm glad that the drought's broken. I don't know what it was like for you. I was driving to church this morning along Kalala Lane, and I said to Brian, I feel like I'm in Dorigo. So green, pools of water, puddles everywhere, no smoke in the air. Hey, January 20 and January 2021, I know where I'd rather be, right here, right now. Full of water, rain's coming down from the skies, none of that evil 40-degree Tamworth summer weather that affects white people like me. Thank God. Hope it's cloudy until Easter. They, um... <laughs> but one thing I would say is I reckon Aussies, as a general rule, not exclusively true, In all of our affluence as a nation, we're a little bit softer. And if you and I are going to live the kind of life that God calls every person to, we're going to need to learn a little more maybe to rough it if we're going to move on from from tamed into the rewild. Listen to this. How to rewild a tamed life. Psalm 39 verses 3 and 4. Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days, they're numbered. How fleeting my life is. You have made my life no longer than the width of my hand. My entire lifetime is just a moment to you. At best, each of us is but a breath. This year, I'll turn a number that is banned in our household. I will turn that number age... My daughter, my oldest daughter will turn 18. She'll finish school. She'll likely go off to college, university, or a gap year, probably at our expense. And um, actually, hopefully not, all of our expense. 
The reality is it's going to be a big year, lots of change. Part of life as we have known it for the last 18 years is about to shift. I'm about to shift into a decade that I never thought was coming to anywhere just short of my death. <laughs> life is like a breath. It's moving kind of fast. And, and the Bible comes along and the psalm writer says to us here, hey, Lord, remind me. Remind me how brief it really is. Help me to, help me to capture that my days are numbered. I'm not sure what the number is, but God, help me to know that they are. And, and why is he saying that? Not to be depressed, but to live out of the knowledge of that and the, be inspired by that and to make the most of our few days on earth and go, man, I just want to live the life God called me to. I don't want to let it become tamed. I want it to be, be rewild, if, if I can say it in that sentence, in a way that I live my life now. 2021 is a gift. At this moment in our lives, you know, we heard this morning about someone passing just in the last day. 2021 is a gift for us to embrace. Our life is a precious gift for us to live. And your life and mine are rare and precious gifts. And here's the great news. No one gets to dictate how you live or the spirit you live with. Nobody. doesn't matter what they've done to us. doesn't matter what anybody said about us. I can blame whoever I want, point my finger out the window, but the reality is my life is mine to live and the spirit I live with is mine to choose. Your life is yours to live. The spirit you live with is, is yours to choose. And so let's take our brief number of days, and some of you are running out of days fast, Christian Fritz. I reckon I'll outlive you. And so, you know, take those days and do something with them. Each of us gets to choose. And there's a God call, the life that God calls you to. There's a life that God calls me to. To, to come and to seize it and to savour it, to take in every breath, every moment, every person, to live it fully from this day to our final breath. And so the essence of this message, how to rewild a tame life, is found in this passage of Scripture in Joshua chapter 14. If you've been around, this is familiar to you from me, but we're going to take it in a different direction today. Joshua chapter 14 and from verse 6. I'm not sure if we've got slides and screens today. Staff have been on holidays, so this is going to take all of your attention. Now, the people of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb, son of Jephna, the Kezanite, said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea, about you and me? I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land, I brought him back a good report according to my conviction. Love that. But my fellow Israelites, those who went with me, um, they made the hearts of the people melt. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So on that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which you have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children's forever. Because you have followed me, the Lord, uh, followed the Lord my God, wholeheartedly. Verse 10, now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years. 45 years since the time he said this to Moses while Israel moved about in the wilderness. So here I am today, 85 years old. I'm still strong as the day Moses sent me out. I'm as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country and it goes on. And what I like about this is not just give it to me, but let me go and seize it. It's like, yeah, give me the promise of God, but I want you to know in you determining that I can go after the promise of God, I'm all in as well. I'm going for it. And so decades of wilderness in his life, 
And he says, I'm still here. I'm still standing. I'm still believing. I'm still going for it. Uh, There's still a fire on the inside of him, and today I'm ready to go, he says. Caleb will not be tamed by who is around him or by what's going on. At its core, this is the rewild life, if I can call it that. A life that's lived bigger than self, worthy of God. Get that? That's what a rewild life is in my mind. A life that's lived bigger than self, worthy of God, making life better for people in this life and the one to come. It's a life lived full of faith. It's a life that brings our best. It's a life with dreams in the heart and a fire in the soul, that kind of life. I reckon that's worthy of a life that is little more than a breath in the time of eternity. And that was Caleb. He resisted the, the, the pull of culture, didn't he? All around him, apart from one other guy his age, he resisted the, resisted the pull of culture and he re- resisted the measure his peers created. And, and isn't that true for you? Isn't that true for me? It would be easy for me today, today and you today to go, ah, Nobody else is. Why would I? But Caleb saw a different future. He never, resi- he never fell into the tamed life because he resisted the pull of culture. Where would culture pull you today as it relates to the untamed or to the tamed life? And, and he, he resists the pressure of his peers who aren't living the way that he would live. He refuses. Isn't the temptation to go in our heart just to go, I'm doing better than Billy or, or maybe, um, you know, no, I won't use names today. You know what I'm saying, right? You don't need another example. And the tragedy, I suppose, the tragedy of the tame life is that in the beginning it won't pay the price. In the end it pays too high a price. And along the journey it's like a changed line. Have you ever seen that image? I think it's from the tiger guy or whatever that, I was going to call it a silly show. I've never seen it, so I won't comment. But I saw where this lion that should roar and prowl and hunt its prey is in this cage where it needs to be cramped and small. That is literally what the enemy of your soul and what the culture of the day would do to our lives. But God calls us to a better way and a better day. Yeah, it takes some faith and yeah, it takes a good spirit and yeah, it's going to have some sacrifice um, um, but, but all of that coming in, but it's worth it. The tragedy of a tame life is that it won't pay the price at the start. It'll pay too high a price in the end. And that along the journey, it becomes a cage line when it's meant to live untamed. God calls you and I to way more than that. We're created for and we are called to so much more. So I thought I'd write down what a tamed faith might look like. I, call, I wrote it up like this. What might a tamed faith look like that is acceptable to my peers and okay in culture? Here's my list. A little bit of church. My little group of preferred people. And by the way, we all have them. There's nothing wrong with that. We naturally get on with some people, don't we? I, there are people in this room that I just naturally get on with. You know, maybe I pray at dinner put some worship songs on on the way to church on Sunday if it's not too rainy. And if I'm feeling generous, I'm giving. I'm giving in a way that creates an each-way bet for me. 
it, it, it creates an each way bet for me and that my conscience is feeling better and that I know the promises of Scripture around blessing. I'd call that a tamed faith. I mean, all those things are a good start to be in a peer group that really loves Jesus or that are getting to know Jesus, to, to be in church on Sunday, to play worship. We play worship um, songs on the way to church on Sunday, don't we, Bron? This morning, I actually gave Bron a picture of what the song would be if it was created into a movie. It was a beautiful thing to observe. We all might do those things, but to go just there and to live just that, I tell you, it's a tamed faith and God has more for us than that. It's like a caged lion who's meant to be free that has been constrained by the pull of culture and the pressure of our peers. But Caleb, that's not Caleb. That's not our guy here. It's, it's not everyone now. I, I suspect it's not you. And gosh, I don't want it to be me. How to rewild a tame life in this week one. You've got to learn how to rough it. You've got to learn how to rough it. And so thinking about that idea, um, if, if I said we're going camping today, today, up into the hills, we're just going to go, what, what would your response be? I noticed my sister-in-law is booked into um, the Novotel at Newcastle for the next four days after leaving us. Would you go camping? I'm going five-star. Would you? What, or, or, of course, there's the next one. I call it the Dan Urquhart style of wilderness. It's called glamping. And glamping, for many of you would know, but glamping is where you take every conceivable benefit, take yourself off to the relative wild, not too far, and you set up your climate-controlled environment, all of your normal things you have at home, just they're portable. You get Natty to organise it for you. And then you go, what we call glamping, and, and the extent of you roughing it, because that's what I was trying to get to, the extent of you roughing it is stepping outside of your glamping atmosphere, taking in as long as it's clear, not too cold, taking in the elements and going, this is living. <laughs> Until that first drop falls or the temperature hits 29.7 degrees and then it's back into the glamping environment. We call it the Dan Urquhart camping experiment experience. And then there's roughing it, really roughing it. People like Dan Moore and me. People like Marky, Mikey Barlow and me, Ryan Alderton and me. And what we love is to get out in the elements, to rough it. Don't need a bed, the ground's our bed. Don't need a pillow, just a rock. <laughs> we love those things. Can never get too hot, can never get too cold. Feed ourselves with the bear that we kill with our own bare hands. <laughs> and eat the fish that we caught with our teeth as they moved through the water, <laughs> roughing it. Now we're roughing it. You know, some people live their faith, some people live their life, and the moment they have to step out of five-star, the deal is off. Some people are glampers. It kind of feels like they're living the wild, rewild life. But in reality, they're just in the midst of it. They're tamed in the midst of what's ever going on. Dan Urquhart kind of faith. And then there are those, actually his faith is nothing like that, so I took that joke too far, I apologise. Now, you get the idea. How do you live your faith? Now, I'm all four, five, star. In fact, I should give you my disclaimer. I wrote it down. Bron told me I needed to because not everybody knows me. I sh it should be noted that this story was not based on real people or events. I personally prefer five-star living, 
Fox forward on the screen, room service supplied as I watch from my bed at 20.5 degrees Celsius, and I'm not joking. Right? The truth is, the reality is that we like what we like, but, but in terms of our life, we, we have to learn to, to rough it. There are times when we have to learn to, to, to rough it, to see it through. Uh, the world's most famous hymn says these words, Through many dangers and toils, toils and snares, I have already come. The, the uh, song Amazing Grace, written by John Newton, he says, Hey, I want you to know, I'm headed towards heaven. Life has been, God is being good to me while I'm here. He's with me through the valley. He's with me on the hills. He's with me in every season. But I want you to know, through many dangers, toils and snares, what if 2020 was not an isolated event, but the coming future? What if the world shifted? Are we going to be able to live in this world and live with a rewild faith? that stands on the Scriptures, that trusts in God, that's going for it in the earth? Or am I going to need to retreat to my five-star environment, my glamping experience? No, we're ready to rough it. Though many dangers, toils and sins through them, I have already come. It is grace that's brought me this far, and it's grace that will lead me home. Life's going to have some tough times. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 23, Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For why? Because God is with me. And there's going to be valleys. There's going to be tough times. There's going to be difficult years, difficult seasons. Caleb lived through the wilderness. It was a, a wilderness of period, time. It was a wilderness of place for sure. And it was a wilderness of people for him. Because they weren't the same heart and they weren't with him. The good news is the children grew up and the children went, God, save us from this tamed existence and let us live the rewild faith. Let us go after the things you're called to. They saw their tamed parents' faith and went, hey, give us none of that. We know that thing's not going to work. Let's go for it. And, and so it changes. Ephesians chapter 6, listen to this, verse 12 and 13. For our struggle, if you're a believer in Jesus, our struggle today is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. There are forces at work. Therefore, put on the full armour of God so that when the evil day comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand, stand firm. I like this. Hey, I want you to know, he says, that there's forces at work. You have the power by the grace of God to stand against them. And I want you to know that having done everything to stand, having done everything to stand, the next thing I want you to do, having done everything to stand, is just to stand firm. Having done everything to stand, keep standing again. You're going to rough this out. There's going to be tough seasons, Ephesians. But I want you to know, don't let them tame your life. Don't let them tame your faith. Let it be rewild as you rough it out and see through the season. Romans chapter 5 and verse 3 and 4 says, not only so, but we also glory in our suffering. I am not there yet, just for the record. Because we know that suffering produces what? Perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. If I could, uh, sorry, not if I could, I, my risk for my children is to insulate them too much. Young Katie, you know, if, I remember when Lockie was little, I don't know if I've told you this, I'm not a very good fisherman, I've caught one fish in my life, that one with my teeth, and um, <laughs> caught one fish in my life and that was with assistance, uh, true story. And so, you know, I thought Lockie should learn to fish and I said to Brian, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go down to the jetty at night. I'm going to buy a fish. I'm going to put it on the hook. I'm going to drop it into the water, and then Lockie can reel it in. And Brian went, you are not doing that. That's not, 
I want to make it easy. I want to make it simple for him. I want him to have the win without the pain. I don't want him to be disappointed that I might be incapable of catching a fish and that he would feel that. But our Heavenly Father is better than that. Our Heavenly Father will allow just the right tension, just the right circumstance, just the right people to rough us up a bit. Yep, he will allow some people. There are some people in our lives sometimes you go, whoa, I'm out of here, and we miss it. God gave David Saul. God gave David Saul. Why? For David and for the people. I reckon God gives us a Saul now and then. I don't want to guess and speculate about who my Saul is today, not in this room, not unless our Rankins is here. But, but there's things going on, and what the Bible says here is that, hey, when we suffer, there's perseverance, and that persevering, that roughing it, it's what actually builds our character. You can't get that glamping, and you can't get that sitting in five-star. When we rough it, that's what produces the outcome that actually creates perseverance and gives way to character, which then emerges and appears in hope. And so Caleb was this kind of guy. So here are some thoughts in the minutes that we've got. Number one around roughing it. The up for the roughing it respond to God's call to the wild. That's what they do. They, they respond to God's call from the wild. He says, God, he says to um, Joshua, hey, God promised it. I'm up for it. Let's go for it. I'm, I'm chasing the promise of God. At the start of the year, are you ready to do that? Are you ready to just go, you know what, whatever I've been chasing, and maybe you already are, it's just a reorientating, reorientating, reorientating again the direction in which you're headed. Or maybe it is a shift. Are you ready to go after that? That's number one. Number two, the up for roughing, roughing it, grow their robustness. Robust, strong, vigorous, tough, resilient. Thick-skinned. I like that one. Thick-skinned. Uncompromising. Relentless, forceful, rugged, fighting fit on the inside. Robust. The up for roughing it grow their robustness. Caleb doesn't just arrive at this moment. He grows his robustness over 45 years in a wilderness of people, place, and period. And the robustness, he doesn't retreat to his glamping van, he, he, he's robust, he's out there roughing it in the wilderness of life and God's going to work on him so that he can bring to pass all that he wants to do and that's true of you and I, wants to build in a robustness into us. I hope I'm ro more robust now than I was 10 years ago. Definitely hope I'm more robust now than I was when I was 13. How about you? Yeah, more robust. Yeah, there's, more, there's fight in you. You're rugged, you're forceful, you're you're vigorous, you're strong, you're resilient, you're thick-skinned, uncompromising. Love it. Number three, the up for the rough, roughing it. Ready? Number three, they resist the drift. I don't know if you've heard the statement that um, it's made by a guy who does a lot of leadership. That's where I heard it from, um, Kerry Newhoff. He said, COVID will do and now has done two things. He said it will <clears throat> reveal where people are really at and it will accelerate where they were already headed. I found that to be so true. It's been a revealer of where people are at in all walks of life, and it's accelerated the trajectory. So I've seen two things as it relates to people of faith. I've heard lots of stories of people who in this period have gone deep, isolated more, they've gone deep in their spiritual life, and 
put down deeper roots, spent more time in the presence of God and the Word of God and with the people of God in smaller groups. I've seen that. And, and I've seen people recenter their lives who were in drift, but I've also seen the drifters. And the drifters, really what has happened is not a change of heart, but a, in most cases a revealer of where people were at, an accelerator of the trajectory they were on. And so my encouragement, if we're going to rough it, the one thing that Caleb never did was drift. He never drifted from the course. He just stayed true to where God was taking him. So here's one way I think that helps us not drift and to live in an untamed space. Ready? Read the book of Acts this month. Just read the book of Acts. It's pretty hard to read the book of Acts and determine to live a tamed life. Read the book of Acts. That one thing be really helpful to ourselves. Number four. Number four. Number four is this. The key to this is own your next move. What's your next move this year? I, I don't know. I, I love the start of the year. If you've been around, you know that. I love getting to December, thinking through the year that's been, thinking about where God turned up, getting thankful for God and people, all that's happened. And then getting to January 1, if I can, um, if I can just cause, if I can hold myself back and just starting to really drill down on my next moves. What am I going to do? I don't know. I'm not sure what they are for you. But what's your next move? It, it, because our next move could really set the tone of our whole year. Uh, our next move, a, a move towards a tamed life or a move towards rewild. Uh, the next move could be big for you. Certainly as a revealer of where we are at. And, uh, and I hope it's going to accelerate in the right way where we're headed. Here's what I know as a wrap. I know that God has His hand upon your life wherever you're at. Whether you're going through hell, whether you've walked away, whether you're all the way back, whether there's a spirit, a fire on the inside of you or somewhere on that broad spectrum. Wherever you're at, God's got it. He's drawing you. He's got a future for you. And the best thing we can do today is make a move in the direction of Him. I'll finish this quote with this quote from our pastor in Armidale, Kerry Logan. She says this this year, Now is the time to lean in and make our next move. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you stand with me? We're just going to pray. Is anyone coming to wrap or we're done? We're done. Okay. We're going to pray. Wrap. Coffee's on. I honestly think regardless of what's in front of us, and I think that, you know, we're not out of the woods, are we? But I think whatever's going on in the world, this genuinely can be the finest year of your faith. This can genuinely be a year to really have breakthrough, really go deep, really move forward, see God turn up, whatever that looks like for you. And so, you know, some of you stepping into a new season. Some of you are going to go, the old has gone, the new has come, wherever you're at. And so I just want to pray and believe for God to go to work in our lives in the most powerful and of profound ways that we would resist the pull of culture and to live tamed and that we would be those who determine to live a rewild faith and a rewild life. In Jesus' name. Heavenly Father, thank you for everybody in the room and on the link today. Holy Spirit, we want to, um, we want to see people know the joy of that kind of faith. 
more majestic, roaring lion than purring cat. Lord, I recognise in, in, in this that there are people roughing it already. There's already lights going on for lots of people. So I pray you'd strengthen them, you'd help them, you'd show yourself um, present and involved to them. But for all of us today, I pray, Lord, that we'd be, Lord, those who would resist the pull of culture, not let the pressure of peers dictate, but that we would determine that ours is a God-appointed future, that you would light a fire on the inside and that you would take hold of people's next step and that, God, as we make our next move, Lord, that we would be saying, there's no way I'm heading towards a tamed faith. I'm going to live and live the life that God has always called me to, appointed me to live in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. God bless. Have a great Sunday. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au And thanks again for listening.